0: Several podcasts ago, we ask you to offer a rating or an opinion on our podcasts on, on iTunes, I think it was we asked, because we're on a variety of different platforms, and you will be pleased to know we've gotten a whole bunch of reviews. They have all That's been five-star. Thank you. And nice. I just wanted to share this one with you, Rachel. Okay. Okay. Love, I should have my glasses love listening to this podcast. This is from Andrea. It is so real and authentic. I appreciate listening to everyone's story. It reminds me that I am not alone and it helps me to remember how amazing people in recovery are. And then Rachel is, in capital letters, amazing. Such a brave leader in Salt Lake City.
1: That's so sweet. I made that up. No, no. <laughs> I take it all back. So I wrote it this morning. No, it's <laughs> real.
0: Uh, and, and somebody named po- Pokemon Not A Go. <laughs> Love this podcast. Fantastic podcast about real people dealing with addiction. So oh, thank, thank you. you, Pokemon, as well.
2: I, oh, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you for the feedback. That's how we grow and learn. And so.
0: Sure. Oh, yeah. And if you have any suggestions mm-hmm. on how we can make the podcast better. Right. We we certainly appreciate, or or whether you think it sucks, <laughs> it yeah, doesn't it, either matter. Either way, it's uh, well, okay. <laughs> yes. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with Rachel, the amazing Rachel Santizo, <laughs> and our guest today is Michelle Wiggins. So, Hi. welcome. I <laughs> didn't know you were on <laughs> such a now. If you can get all your friends to to go on iTunes yes. and say, I love you, Michelle, on on, on the <laughs> <It's> podcast. <true. laughs> we the announce it. <laughs> I wonder how many people do that on whatever, you know, if a TV show or uh, in my situation, it was being on the news or something, yeah. you know, and like when Salt Lake City Weekly has voting for the best anchor or the yeah. best whatever, how many people rig the thing and say, Go oh, in, vote, vote as often as you can. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely.
2: I know. I know that some voting, though, they've changed it to where you only get a vote
0: once. Right, because they can trace where it came from. Yes. Damn. I know. <laughs> That's out the window. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michelle, I don't know anything about you. Tell me about yourself.
1: Um, well, I'm in recovery. Uh, my... Sobriety date is February 12th, 2022. Uh, I also work at First Step Recovery House. Um, I actually just got a promotion to be the new recovery support staff trainer along with one (laughs) other co-worker. It's been great.
0: First Step is one of the premier treatment uh, centers in in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So and, and so you're in what was your date? February February 12, 2022. So you're well over a year mm-hmm. into it. Did you go through First Step?
1: Uh no, I went through Journey. I graduated through Journey. So, I mean, first I started off with Odyssey House. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Back in like the, um I got kicked out <laughs> April 2021. Okay. Um and I'm that, honestly really surprised they kept me as long as they did. <laughs> that's what, yeah, I love when we could
2: admit, like, "Oh man, we I was like horrible." I get it, you know.
1: That, like that makes ownership. you sound
0: like Odyssey is just horrible because we kick people out. No, it, I think it w- maybe it was something you did.
1: Oh no, for sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, yeah. that's why I'm like really surprised they kept me as oh, long as they okay. did because I was on back to back borders. So um, borders
0: is when you do something that's in violation of the. Of the rules, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So um I was very, very angry at that time. Um I had some traumas I was going on. I didn't know how to reach out or talk about it. And so I was just I had a lot of threats and acts of violence um mm. borders that I was on. And that's and a then, no-no uh, at Odyssey. No. It's a
0: no-no at any treatment center, really. If you yeah. Think about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so I went from there and then uh so when you went to Odyssey,
2: um, were you ordered to go? Did you go on your own terms? Like, how did
1: you get to to going into treatment? So I convinced the judge to let me go. So I, but it became um, being ordered there. Yeah. So okay. But I, w- I was very thankful to be there. I mean, I still learned a lot from Odyssey. I mean, if you take in any treatment center that you've been in, whether you've been kicked out or graduated, there's always something to learn from oh, each yeah, treatment. Absolutely. So and I was very blessed. That I was able to actually be there.
0: I think that's, you know, that's a good point you bring up before we continue with your story. But you know, a lot of people, I think the national average is you go through seven treatment centers right. before something kicks in for long term. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people look at it. It doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means you've had ups and downs. But most people will say, just like you did, that, well, I picked up something from this one and I picked up something from this one. and And all of a sudden... Something clicked, Yeah. right? Or you were ready,
2: whatever
0: that is. Yeah, was. exactly. Yeah. So I didn't mean so to interrupt you. No, you're
1: And then, uh, so after I left there, um, I was doing good for a little bit, and then my I had found out that my ex husband had passed away, and I didn't know how to deal with that. Mm. So I was uh, well at that time. I was trying to get into Seventh uh, Street, the IOP in Seventh Street. Uh, I ended up relapsing. Um, it's kind of funny story. So I go into my probation officer's area, and uh, I had a box cutter knife on me in my purse because I was doing construction, and I ended up getting <laughs> taken, to go to jail. So then I'm in jail, and then I'm calling Seventh Street every single day to try to get into the residential. Um, I finally get into Seventh Street, and this was about I think around. Uh, July, end of July, I believe. Um, and then I go there and I'm there for about like maybe a week and a half and I get out of there. <laughs> so, and and very good reason reason for it. Um, I kept smoking a cigarette before finishing my chores. And I took that in as, okay, that can be seen as entitlement. You know, I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing. I'm worried about what I want sure and only what right. I want that time. So, I took in that lesson and went to Journey, and um, I ended up graduating Journey of okay. April last year.
0: So, so no violence and no, no personal entitlement while you're at Journey. Huh?
1: No, I learned a lot from this.
0: That's, That's what similar. people don't understand that addiction is probably one of the most selfish <laughs> things anybody in the world can do because you're all you're doing, you, your primary concern is you right. and, and I, pleasing I, yourself.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's the entitlement. And then I also think it's, um, the awareness of I'm going to ruin my life and go down for something so simple, you know, like that awareness to like smoking the cigarette at a different time, but you're willing to like give everything that you've worked so hard for, for that, for
0: a cigarette yeah. at a certain yeah. time. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> think so about, it's all
2: important lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: But how, but looking at it in hindsight, it's like, what? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, really, was it that important? You know, but at the time it was.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Some of my residents are like, wait, i start my smoke. <laughs> um, My residents are, yeah, kicked out for that. Well, we got to look at it this way, you know, like you're doing chores with other people. So if you're just going off and doing whatever you want and you're leaving the other people doing what they're supposed to be doing, like that kind of. Right.
0: You keep shows working. I'm going to do a smoke this. break now. Yeah. Because like, that's I'm, what I want to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you so. know, so. Yeah. yeah
0: well, so, um, so how did you, how did your, Issues with drugs begin and and at what age?
1: So um, so at twelve years old is when I actually first started oh, drinking, yeah um and smoked weed for the first time. Uh, I had a lot of there's a lot of childhood traumas that came with that. Mm-hmm. So um at the age of six, I was molested by a female, at the age of nine, molested by this foster family. And then at the age of 12, um, my mom had just gotten married to this guy that he was such a winner. (laughs) And I just didn't know how to deal with any of those things. Um, So I was hanging out with these kids from high school, that were in high school. And I got drunk and high for the first time, took my aunt's car for a joyride, and Crash the car, and I'm not even a block away from the house. On your first experience? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why? <Boy>, that's what it was. early. <laughs> yeah. And the cop was like, really, like, I don't, he was in shock. He didn't even know what to do. It was like three o'clock in the morning. He looked at me, looked at the car, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to give you a ticket uh, to go to traffic school. That's like all I got. Yeah. Cause so my mom, ended up telling the cop that I was trying to kill myself with a car. So that kind of like saved me a, and her in a way. And I ended up on like a 72 hour hole. She was out of state and then she came back and so. So at uh, that point,
2: you know, you <laughs> would think that you would be scared.
0: You wouldn't but think. Y- yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. This is
1: like how we operate. What happened next? Um. So after that, I ended up moving to Utah. Well, so, okay, I'm originally from California. Oh. So let me backtrack on that. Okay. <laughs> But did you continue using like right after like or
2: did you stay away from alcohol and weed?
1: I pretty much stayed away for a while. while. Um, I mean, in high school, I started drinking a lot on the weekends. Uh, I was always partying on the weekends. And then, um, let's see, about age 16, I tried coke in high school. Um, I did that a couple of times. And then, um, but was that in California or here? that, That was here.
2: 16 like so i drunk. like yeah.
1: so at the age of 12 we moved to utah and okay. then i was only there for a year and then we came back to california and <laughs> i was jumping around a lot um i didn't really grow up with family either so my mom was a single mom okay. um and she was going through school and working graveyards and so i kind of used that too i was like oh she's going on graveyards I'm yeah gonna, like, she's house not parties. gonna be around. <laughs> <laughs> And then um the age of 21, I came back out to Utah and drinking and then I, so in 2014 I had met my ex-husband mm-hmm. and I had gotten into a car accident. I had broken my tailbone snowboarding, and so he had these Roxy 30s. Mm-hmm. And before uh-huh. that, I wouldn't even touch ibuprofen or anything. And But as soon as he gave me that Roxy 30, I was sold. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, that's taking all my pain away right now. Um, and then from there, uh, so I was going to pain management clinics. Uh, I had ran out of my pain meds. And my ex-husband had handed me a, a nose spray. And he told me that it's okay, it'll only just come up as morphine. You'll still pass your UA at the pain clinic. So I was like, oh okay. So, you know, do the nose spray. Uh come to find out it was heroin. Um Wow. And
0: you <laughs> know, did you no make spray- it?
1: Like yeah, yeah. So so he just gets like this nose spray from like Walmart or whatever that you can like take off the oh, top. Oh, so he made it. Okay. So then he oh, made okay, it in there. Yeah, I, like, oh, <laughs> I no, hadn't really heard that of that one. before. <laughs> we both were like, "What?" People are
0: selling nose spray. Now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah oh, so he made it.
1: Yeah. Um, and then from there, I just chose to keep using. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like.
0: So you were hooked on opioids.
1: Yeah, I had so, to ask you like, what brought you? Because California
2: <laughs> and Utah are so different. Like what brought you to Utah from California?
1: Um, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting story on that one too. So, when I I would come and visit Utah every once in a while because I still had this friend from junior high that was still okay. out here. So, one November I came out and she had introduced me to this guy. Okay, and so we're like hitting it off. I go back to California and my mom gets his phone number for my phone and so to her he looks great you know he has his own place his own job his own business you know and um somehow it, so she told him that I was coming back to Utah like convinced him that I was wanting to move to Utah anyway so I get on this she gets this plane ticket and I could have chosen not to go on the, the plane. Granted, like, yeah. those were all my choices. Um, I ended up getting on the plane. And I just felt so mad because I felt like this wasn't really explained to me that this is what was going to happen. Yeah. But I just went anyways. And it's like
0: it, your mom gave you away, almost.
1: Yeah, in, in a way, and and I hate to say these things because like I know my mom will probably watch this sometime. <laughs> yeah, like it was still my choice. Yeah, you know? only was, say what you feel comfortable. Yeah, so it was definitely my choice. To still get on that plane either way. Um,
0: you were how old, and he's
1: how old? And I was about twenty one, and he was just like two years older than me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, wasn't okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, luckily he turned out to be a great guy. We just stayed friends. Uh, I worked from the ground zero, so I got a job waitressing, which. At that time, I was thinking it was going to be like minimum wage plus tips. Yeah. Come to find out, you know, it's like $2.25. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. It but it still worked out really well because I saved up, got my first car. Um, it was a Suzuki Sidekick, a, a manual. Suzuki? I did not know how to drive a manual I at remember the time. them. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in my day. Now are you using so, the whole time? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. No, I was just drinking at that point. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so I just saved up and just start from ground zero at that point. So you literally have no family out here. Um, it was
2: friends like you created a life out here. Well, my step stepdad side of the family is out here. Okay, so you do have some family. Yeah. What um so. what transition from there? So you're drinking a little bit, you're getting your life together.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: what transition to you catching charges? Like what kind of charges? Like what shifted?
1: Um that's when some 2014 um, with my ex-husband, Yeah, and then I got introduced to that and I just kept wanting to use from there. I mean, I found that heroin, like, not only took away mm-hmm. physical pain, but the emotional pain, and I didn't have to try so hard to hide everything. So I was just sold. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, and then I was going through a divorce with him about 2015, Okay. Mm-hmm. um, I ended up seeing somebody else seeing somebody else and I, then i ended up pregnant in 2016. and i had my daughter june 8th of 2017. Mm-hmm. um when i was pregnant i did quit everything cold turkey i didn't even want to take pain meds i didn't even want to smoke cigarettes nothing everything was just about her at that time um and then when she was born i ended up with really bad postpartum depression yeah. um because I felt this guilt with, so my ex-husband ended up on the birth certificate because I, in Utah, apparently, you're the rightful father if you're married. Yeah, if you were married and not, like, if you had a kid with the kid between, like, 300 days of divorce or something like that. Wow. So. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I was like, what? I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but he ended up being a great father, like, hands down great father. He took on the role. Um, her biological father was in and out of prison. Um, I still try to make sure that he was in her life, too. Um, but it just didn't work out that Can
2: you way. So, explain yeah. postpartum? Because postpartum is so real and we don't talk about it mm-hmm. enough, like what it was and what it and how it affected you. I think that's a really like topic, important topic.
1: Yeah. So um, after I had, so I had to have a, an emergency C-section with her. I wouldn't dilate more than five centimeters, so um, she was. It, yeah. So I, I got cut open, and I ended up back on pain medications again. Um, Opioids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dilaudids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. so, oh, well. That's pretty.
0: Good. Here, honey. Here. Uh, yeah. right. Oh, Okay. <laughs> so,
1: um. The postpartum really hit when she was crying in the yeah. middle of the night, and I was trying to get to her, and I ended up falling to my knees, not able to get to her. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. So then, I my tear up a little bit. Um, so then I started taking more of the pain medication, yeah. you know, so thinking that, okay, that's going to numb my physical pain even more so I can get to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-husband was working. I was just at home and he would come home. He was like, well, I'm working all the time and taking care of you, taking care of her. So then I'm here and go popping more pills so oh, I can yeah, do stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it and I also had that fear. Um, so my mother, she's a wonderful, strong woman. Hands down. Very independent.
0: If you're watching, she, mom, listen to that. <laughs> mom. Strong, independent, wonderful. Okay.
1: She, um... But she wasn't very emotionally available at the time. And so her family's from South America, Chile. Okay. So so they're just not very emotionally available. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I had that fear that I might be like that with my daughter. Mm -hmm. So then I was being distant with my daughter, thinking that I was saving her from me. Yeah. And Um, it makes
2: sense, right? Like it's a survival, like a technique, a protection technique mm -hmm. in the moment
1: yeah so it just at the time made sense yeah. <laughs> yeah right right um and then so when that was going on um i didn't so my ex-husband and i were trying to work things out at that time um but then i decided not to work it out with him and then he told the fam family that i was doing heroin because i started getting back in heroin again um so then this whole thing started happening families knew that i was on it and Um, I just felt very alone. I didn't know how to communicate what was going on, like the pain that I was feeling or the loneliness that I was feeling or um, the fear that I had of being a mother, even though I wanted to be the mother and I was so happy, but I feared it so much. Sure. Um, So that started going on. And then in 2019, I started catching charges. Um, I got the DUI. Uh, possession. Um, and so I was in and out of jail, like a freaking revolving door to the point where, like, the yeah. guards knew me by name. Yeah. <laughs> go, hey, Michelle's Hi. back. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Hi. yeah. Hey, Michelle. it, was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. um, and then during those times of like 2019 to 2020, like, there was just so much trauma after trauma. Um, I ended up living on the streets. Uh, Living in a car. Um, I had been jumped. This is where I cry. Before I went to Odyssey, I had been held hostage for two weeks. Uh, And my PO didn't know where I was. (laughs) So then, finally, when I, I was able to escape, uh, my PO found me and then just kind of threw me in jail. And I just didn't know how to deal with all that stuff, which is why I was so angry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's just, like, back-to-back stuff that was going on. And My best friend passed away.
2: I'm sorry so. to hear that, like, right. just um, before you go on. Like, that is really scary. And thank you for being vulnerable. And I'm really sorry to hear that, that you went through that.
0: So so, so you've talked about when you get out of and- when I mean, you get out of jail and you go through Odyssey and 7th Street and then Journey, right? You've you've had what you just described to us is a ton of trauma in your life. Uh, sexual abuse multiple times when you're growing up. And then this that you went through uh, being kidnapped. One of the things that treatment focuses on is getting to the root causes of why you were trying to numb yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody successfully helped you deal with your traumas?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, between Odyssey, Seventh Street, and Journey, um, just all the support. Um, you know, writing the autobiographies, feeling heard, feeling um, just feeling that support of like we understand. Sorry, my <laughs> like, um. It's feeling like somebody just understands and actually cares, you know, and then even the recovery community. Um, I learned about FTR through Odyssey. <laughs> that's that's yeah. fit to so, recover, and that's
0: where Rachel works, so, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, and then I, ever since then, I kept going to FTR. Yeah. Um,
0: so, why? just being,
1: oh, so why? Yeah, oh like, mean, like, is is like, like, I know you're like, what it for you? So, like, so you're going because to be there, Rachel. No, yeah, no, so. it's, it's that's one like one of the reasons yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're
2: it's welcome. like that aftercare though. So you get done, you, you've you um, addressed your trauma, you know, mm-hmm. but then like, how do you continue on so that if that trauma surfaces or, you know, like what is it for you today? Because now you're working in treatment too. And so what does it do for you? How are you doing it? You are such a,
1: a strong female presence. Mm-hmm. And so how? Uh, I worked, I got a sponsor mm-hmm. while I was in journey. Um, started working my steps and that helped a lot too. Uh, step four, oof, that one's a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I like about it though is that so you're writing this list of the resentments that you have, mm-hmm. but then you go back and you look at your part in it. And that helps so much.
0: So I'm done. like, okay,
1: so. You know, that, which is why I was saying, like, with the plane getting sent over here, it was still my choice. I didn't have to get on that plane. I was old enough. I could have figured out something else. Sure. Right? Just my, say no. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, I'm not going. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like my ex-husband, when he gave me the the nose spray, I didn't have to continue using, but I chose to. Right. You know? Um, so it's kind of cool to be able to look at those things and know that, like, we always have a choice in our actions and everything that we do in our lives. So. I'm excited. Well, I'd love to know more because we were
2: just talking in the hallway and you were excited about martial arts and you don't hear that a lot. And so (laughs) what's this love for martial arts? Like, tell me more.
1: So um, (laughs) in California, I was actually dating this guy, uh, Sean Harmon, Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Harmon's son. I don't even know who Mark Harmon was, the guy from NCIS. Like, so his son was like, oh, yeah, that's my dad. And I'm like, who? <laughs> but anyways, yeah. now I know. But It's um, not
0: a show that young people watch. <laughs> I no, watch at true. my age. But yes.
1: Yeah, so he was actually uh, a coach for Muay Thai. Oh. So then I started taking Muay Thai then. Love it. Um, and then that kind of just stuck with me. I'm like, okay, like, I actually really like this. Like, you know, feeling like you can get that energy out and like whatever uh, anger you might have but being able to like, Hone it in a positive way. Yeah, you know, um, I don't really. I'm stuck at explaining things, but doing, <laughs> I think you're doing great. No. I love yes. it. So, and the um, other
0: thing is, is you're doing it with other people in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about that all the time. It can be going to fit to recover. Mm-hmm. It can be sober softball. It can mm-hmm. be uh, going to Usara yeah. uh, and, yeah. and all the events that they do. Uh, but uh, in my opinion. And maybe, I don't know how you feel, but who you hang around with is really important once you get out of recovery.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean,
0: once you get out of treatment.
1: Yep, definitely. Um, Another reason why I was excited about FTR starting is because um, I already feel like it's a safe place, you know, and then everybody there, like, I feel safe. with. So Mm -hmm. even though, and and I'm not going to lie, there was a couple of times where I got a little bit of, like, flashbacks or some triggers while we were... um, doing the martial arts. Yeah. But I'm able to redirect it and say, okay, no, I'm in a safe place. Yeah. I'm okay.
2: And and that's an empowering thing. I think that one of the things for me is coming from domestic violence is when I started lifting weights, I started feeling like I could protect myself. Like I was Mm -hmm. strong enough within my own personal body. So I think it's so badass when females do stuff like this and then speak about it. Oh, I agree. Or anybody, a
0: guy. It can be be empowering. Yeah. yeah. And and working at First Step helps a lot. I mean, I you know, I joke, I, I spent decades in TV news and at the end of the 10 o'clock news, yeah, most of the people said, let's go to the bar for a drink. Mm-hmm. OK, nobody at Odyssey House has ever said at the end of the day, let's go to the bar for a drink. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a lot easier just uh, who you hang around with. Yeah, that's true. What's your
2: favorite thing about working in treatment? Like, what does it do for you?
1: Um, I think my favorite thing is being able to see their growth mm-hmm. and for them to actually know, like, the staff members that they, that are working there, they mm-hmm. understand, you know, they've been through treatment or they've been through recovery, you know, they, they understand it to a point and that it's a safe place. and um, And just being able to give back what was given to me when I went mm-hmm. through treatment. And yes,
0: seeing, I mean, not everybody succeeds in a treatment program, as you're a test yeah. <laughs> a testament to. Uh, uh, but seeing the ones who do succeed, mm-hmm. and then maybe seeing them later or reconnecting with, them. I can't tell you how many times I run into somebody who's wildly successful at whatever they're doing or wildly happy, which is the key. Right. Saying, "I went to Odyssey 15 years ago" or something, mm-hmm. you know,
1: and it's yeah. fulfilling. It is, you yes. know. As soon as you see that light come on in their eyes, mm-hmm. such a gift, too. Yeah. Like, even if you can just get at least one person, you know you're doing a good job. I you know. agree.
0: And so. your comment about light in the eyes is very interesting. I mean, you see some people who are, there's just a dullness. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. And, and they're not ready. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. screw you, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Yeah. And then other people who are say, I'm almost out. I can't yeah. wait to for the next step of my life, and there's and there's a shining light in there. Your eyes are shining right now. No, you know, you know. True. Have, you, have
2: you Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. Like um, a lot of people when they come in, I notice more like their skin color. It's more like a gray, and that's so I notice like the skin color. And you're kind of like hunched right. over versus mm-hmm. like you start brightening up and like getting that color back and holding your your head a little bit higher. Like, that is incredible. That is the best feeling. Because I know that you say if you, you know, help just one person, because I, so much of my life, like, I wanted to be that one person that someone did that for. Mm-hmm. And so it's so fulfilling to, like, give back what's been given to you or to give what you wish that you had. Yeah. I think that's because it gets us outside of here and it helps us in our own recovery. Yeah.
0: Thank so, you yeah. for sharing your story today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to – one of the things people in recovery learn – is to be open and honest and share their story. Yeah. And somebody who may not be in recovery, who went through the same stuff you went through, mm-hmm. would not share that. So thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're providing inspiration because there's somebody mm-hmm. out there watching or listening who said, that happened to me, right? Yeah. And I can do it. So thank you. You're yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah, Very true. proud yeah. of you.
0: And thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Yeah. <laughs>